Dale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves it the most, Luke Throop here, on another thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday for Torch Report 466, The Trouble with Bubbles. Today we'll be looking through uh, the lens of some different perspectives and then proceeding to pop some pesky bubbles. I just want to start out, however, with the picture. So if you're listening on a podcast platform, friends, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com. Check out Torchport 466 at thetorchreport.com and then just look at it. Look at this beautiful picture of Dubai. I mean, it's amazing. The beautiful architecture, the buildings are beautiful. It's, it's just it's breathtaking, uh, this picture of Dubai. And this happens to be where the World Economic Forum's annual meeting of the Global Future Council is bringing together their experts and decision makers from business and academia and, and government and civil society and the media. They're gathering all these globalists together in order to discuss their transformative ideas for the future of humanity. I was not invited. <laughs> oh, anyway, friends, but I just want you to try to imagine uh, being there. Try to imagine being there. Try to imagine being up in one of those high towers, uh, looking out over all the hustle and bustle, the glistening, beautiful city. I mean, you can almost smell the money in the air. You could feel the energetic charge of power surging all around you. I think it would be electrifying. Can you imagine that? More than 400 experts from around the world, a.k.a. the experts, they're going to be there. And they say that this is a meeting of the minds who are dedicated to building a more resilient, inclusive, and sustainable future. Can you imagine what it would be like to be one of those 400 experts from all around the world? Can you imagine being invited? Imagine being recognized as a global expert and being given the chance to rub elbows with some of the most powerful people on the planet. If you can imagine that, friends, how do you think it would feel? I think it'd feel pretty amazing, right? Don't you think these people are feeling pretty jazzed to be in this big, beautiful city? You know, one of the foremost 400 experts on the planet rubbing elbows with the powers that be. I mean, these people are high on their own power. They live in a bubble. But then again, friends, so do we all. We all live in a bubble. We just all live in very, very different bubbles, hence the trouble with bubbles. Now, uh, you know, our personal bubbles, I want to kind of just, you know, play with this a little bit, okay? Our personal bubbles are inflated by our sphere of influence. Uh, Personal bubbles are relative to the various perks and quirks of our geographic location, as well as the thoughts and emotions associated with our various beliefs. This is true for us, wherever we may be, uh, we peasants of the world, as well as it is for those living in the bubble up there in Dubai. All right. So from there, our bubbles can be made bigger or smaller depending on these variables, uh, subjective variables, if you will. And our bubbles can also be either expanding or contracting 
depending on a number of other factors. For example, just to tie back in the yesterday's conversation, you know, if we're hunkered down, bunkered down, waiting for the end of the world, our bubble is going to contract. And it will keep contracting until our world becomes so small and suffocating, it's almost unbearable. At which point, somebody's going to break. I got to do something, man. I got to do something, even if it's wrong. Now, on the flip side, if we are busy engaging our communities, building our businesses, growing our families, moving forward with a sense of purpose and all of that, then our bubbles naturally expand. And I suppose, you know, the primary distinction here is the difference between reaching out and exploring the endless possibilities in life, despite the circumstance, that leads to expansion. Or, in contrast, by holding back and playing it safe, trying to reduce risks in order to avoid potential pain, that leads to a contracting of life. And if you think about how our body reacts. When we anticipate pain, for example, we flinch, right? And we recoil, we, we contract. This is natural human behavior. And it's, you know, it's, un, it's entirely unavoidable. For the most part, if somebody's going to come, you know, like they're going to come punch you, you're going to contract a little bit. It's entirely unavoidable, this natural human behavior, unless, unless we are aware that there really is no threat there. So if, if, you know, this is a key insight to psychological warfare, okay? Because if we're, if we're living in fear, our bubble's getting smaller and they have more and more control over our lives and over our minds and over our spirits even. And so, you know, this is, you know, to, to expand our bubble, to grow, to reach out and explore the endless possibilities of life. This is part of the anecdote to the modern psychological warfare. It's the elevation of inner awareness, okay? So that... Let's just get back to the Dubai. God, Luke, what the hell are you talking about? You know, you're an awful philosophical peasant, you know. Now, how many people do you think in the city of Dubai are worried about the Great Reset? How many people are worried about the mass vaccination campaigns, injecting people with toxic genetic modifications, or about the global cabal working in earnest to depopulate the planet? How many people in Dubai are worried about those things? I mean, it's really anybody's guess, right? It's pure speculation. But my guess is not that many. And the question is why? Well, because there are two, they're, they're simply too busy. There are too many things going on. They are living in their own respective bubbles, wholly unaware of the invisible hand of the global cabal that has slowly creeped around their collective necks. That's what I think. But to be clear, this exact same thing is happening in small-town USAs all across the country. Just to say, you know, like, big city, small town, all across the USA, you know, this exact same thing is happening. People are too busy, living in the rat race, living in their bubbles, unaware of the invisible hand of the global cabal. And the cabal keeps marching on. But the magnitude of distraction... In a city like Dubai, or New York, or L.A., or wherever the hell there are millions upon millions of people stacked on top of each other, the, the magnitude of distraction in those places is almost beyond comprehension. In other words, the frogs living there are in a much hotter pot. Does that make sense? You know? And of course... You know, they have no sense of the fact that they're living in this much hotter pot because of their bubbles. Uh, you know, imagine if there was an attack that took down the power grid in the city of Dubai. 
or New York or wherever, okay? Imagine that the power was out for just a, a few days even, maybe just even a week. Imagine that level of chaos in just a week without power in any of these great glistening cities. In such an event, or in any sort of similar event, the chaos would be boiling over in record time, would it not? These frogs are living in a much hotter pot. You see what I'm saying? You know, there would be a few frogs that would escape the pot, mind you. You know, but on top, you know, to do that, they'd be jumping on top of each other, you know, pushing the weaker frogs under the water. Of course, frogs like water, but, you know, in, in a city that's collapsing in utter chaos, you know, the, the weak people are going to be pushed with their heads under the water in a frantic frenzy of survival. And in that process, there would be a rapid reconciliation to natural order. Live or die, okay? Laws become irrelevant. The fit and the strong will survive to breed again along with the clever and the prepared. But the fools and the weak and the placid, they're going to get stomped and trampled as people frantically try to survive, okay? That's the rapid reconciliation to natural order. That's what happens when the bubbles pop. It doesn't matter the context, really. When a bubble pops, it gets back to natural order. Societal illusions evaporate in an instant, and natural order is naturally restored. But the truth is, friends, natural order actually never left. Natural order is there all along. It's just, it just gets buried under a heap of mental distortions, put Differently, nature gets obscured by our bubbles. The bubbles create that mental distortion. So I want to look through the lens of a different bubble, if you will. And again, if you're listening on a podcast platform, you have to be following along in the report, Torch Report 466, where you would see this uh, spiffy uh, informal settlement at the UN, uh, the UN, uh, I got this picture from the UN website. They say this is an informal settlement on the outskirts of Johannesburg, South Africa. Underneath the image of these, you know, these tin shanties with tarps and tires on them and all that kind of stuff, they say this, quote, the global economy is at a critical juncture with some economies thriving and expanding while others are faltering and slowing down, end quote. Now, first, let me ask you, you know, can you imagine living in a tiny tin shanty using tarps and tires to try to keep the rain out? You know, what are the economic prospects of this, of this little informal settlement here? What is the quality of life of the peasants who live there? And by the way, if you happen to have looked at the picture, did you notice all of those satellite dishes? So we're talking about little 10 by 10 tin shanties, and they all have, you know, tarps on the roof, and they have satellite dishes all over the place, okay? When I saw that image, there are two things that came to my mind. My mind really kind of just tore off in two different directions, so I want to address both just quickly. First, I want to point out that the global elites are trying to pump high-speed internet into every hut and home on the planet. And they claim that it's so people do not get left behind. But in reality, it's part of the global digital infrastructure, and it is central to their system of control. All of these uh, you know, satellite dishes on these tin shanties is a perfect example of how they can manipulate the minds of humanity at scale. Keep that in mind. Now, the second thing I want to point out is that the globalists claim 
the UN is claiming here in particular that the the global economy is at a critical juncture. It's a critical juncture. You know, doesn't it seem like everything is at a critical juncture these days? You know, some economies are thriving. Sure. Say like Dubai. I mean, they're just beautiful. They're doing booming, you know, not thanks to Biden. Now, other economies are faltering, say like our own. And the point is the new world order is going up while the old world order is going down. It's going down, man. It's going down in a blaze of glory. Now, in their report, the UN Conference on Trade and Development, the UNC TAD, expresses great concern over this significant divergence. New world going up, old world going down. But this is kind of creating some problems here. And they cite... The absence of policy coordination as the main problem that they need to overcome. That's the main culprit of geoeconomical chaos, if you will. So what they're saying is that the absence of global economic policy coordination, uh, that's what's, you know, that, that's the problem they're trying to solve here. And just in case that's not perfectly clear, what, the, what they're doing is they're foreshadowing the forthcoming global digital currency, such as the world coin that's taking the world by storm. Now, if you've been with me, you've heard me uh, report about WorldCoin uh, back in Port Report 413. That would be what's the worst that could happen. That was the first time I'd reported on WorldCoin. It just came out in July. Now, if if you're interested in the WorldCoin, I put a slew of... Uh, reports and articles in here in the report and it talks about you know worldcoin is exploding it's surging 80 percent in just the last two weeks there's uh, charts on prediction where worldcoin is going price wise between now and 2030 uh you know worldcoin is doubling down on emerging markets uh, in latin america consumers are verifying their world id along you know as the worldcoin project continues to expand globally so I, that, I put that in there because it shows that the worldcoin and the world id go they go together uh, down in south america over 200,000 chileans have signed up for worldcoin and the worldcoin crypto project has people lining up despite some privacy concerns now those articles if you were to read them mostly put a positive spin on things. They do toss that nonchalant glance toward privacy concerns. But there is, as I'm sure you have suspected, a much darker side to this. What I want to point out here is that these new global digital currencies are directly linked to the iris-scanned global digital ID, that, that shiny spherical orb. Just look into the shiny spherical orb. We'll give you a little bit of free digital global digital currency, and then we'll be able to track you everywhere for the rest of your life. Now, they're working the kinks out of this new global system by expanding it rapidly into third-world countries. Friends, you know... They are exploiting the peasants who live there who are none the wiser to their globalist schemes, okay? But fortunately for humanity, and I say this is a, this is a bright spot in all of this, uh, you know, global tech dystopian hell, uh, the peasants, some of the peasants are wising up, and they're wising up fast. In fact, the Kenyan Parliamentary Committee has called for the shutdown of WorldCoin. The Kenyans have accused Sam Altman 
who, by the way, you know, he's the CEO of ChatGPT. He's the one that's driving this world coin. He guy's a smart guy. But the Kenyans are accusing him of espionage. They say that world coin is a threat to the statehood of Kenya. So there you have it. You know, this, this, this imposition of global digital currency, in this case, WorldCoin, it doesn't matter what coin they call it, but this is WorldCoin, which is backed and promoted by the genius who created ChatGPT, you know, the world's, you know, premier AI. Uh, this global digital currency, this WorldCoin, ultimately constitutes an act of espionage. It is, in fact, a direct threat to national sovereignty and statehood, and even the Kenyans were quick to figure that out, okay? Now, <clears throat> while the uh, while the Kenyans were quick to wake up and realize their entire country was being digitally enslaved, at the same time, the American media is, is running articles out there, like this article from USA Today. It says, biometrics could be the key to protecting your digital ID. You know, biometrics, like scanning your eyeball via the shiny spherical orb. That could be the key to protecting your digital ID. Now, you look at that headline and take note of the assumption that you already have accepted or have been assigned a digital ID. That's the first assumption. Now, they're trying to convince you uh, and every other consumer on the planet that, that linking their physical identities with their digital identities via scanning their eyeball, a.k.a. biometrics, that's the solution to keep people safe. The propaganda reads like this, quote, in a world where cyber attacks have grown exponentially more sophisticated, with hostile nation states and organized crime accelerating their programs, targeting Americans, how do we stay safe? End quote. How do we stay safe? <laughs> Here comes the punchline, friends. They say, quote, uh, then came WorldCoin, a company announced in July that combines AI with crypto, and that said it would revolutionize the field of digital security. The key, they claim, WorldCoin would scan and store every user's iris, a biometric marker unique to each person. They're they're gonna claim they're gonna save that in a central database of biometric information. And I just have to ask the obvious question: What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> oh, friends, in the name of, uh, in the interest of time, I should say we need to just kind of connect some dots here. Uh, despite the incessant propaganda about how Biden's economy is booming, the United States is in an economic bubble of epic proportions. That bubble is about to pop, no matter what they want, no matter what they say. Uh, no amount of printing fiat money, i.e. inflation, is going to prevent this bubble from popping. And rather than try to explain all of that, I put a, a link in there to let the pros do that. Uh, there was an uh, article over at Zero Hedge. They said, if Tuesday's market was chaos, so this is chaos in the markets right now, Wednesday was chaos on a trampoline high on drugs. <laughs> okay, that's what's going on in the American financial markets right now. Now, they, they offer some real-time analysis of what's actually happening. It's a bit wonky, but the gist of it is that, you know, the stocks are rivaling the worst since the dot-com bust, and the scale of problems, this is a direct quote, the scale of problems still ahead of us, regardless of what we do now is so large that most people refuse to try to grasp it, period, end quote. That is some astute uh, economic analysis there. So, you know, some economies are going up, 
some economies are coming down. If the Kenyans were quick to grow wise to the espionage of the global digital currency, don't you think Americans might be quick to wake up to that too, right? Like there's going to be some resistance, you know, maybe, maybe not. But the point is the globalists will be implementing this global digital currency along with the global digital IDs, whether we agree with, the, with it or not. And in that context, how do they get there? Friends, economic collapse would provide the perfect opportunity for this historic transition, this transformative idea, especially if, uh, you know, the American economy collapses and the World Bank's bailout was contingent upon the adapt uh, uh, adoption of world coin, friends. Now think about it. How might that affect those peasants living in the tin shanties? How might that affect the people living in the thriving metropolis of Dubai? But more importantly, how will it affect you? How will it affect I? How will it affect our livelihoods, our family, and our way of life, friends? The answer is it depends on your bubble. My bubble looks like this. I did put a screenshot in there of beautiful sunset. And, you know, while a hefty majority of people are worried about the end of the world, I'm not one of them. I understand that very, very soon bubbles may be popping all around me. And I'm prepared for it. And I understand that when it all comes crashing down, the nature of things will remain the same. And that keeps me sane. And as for all of those who never saw it coming, friends, I'd say that's the trouble with living in bubbles. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, thetorchreport.com. Find the heart, click the heart, give me some love, subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.